Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Nat Chang Lumshe. Chapter 8. Akong Rinpoche. I had requested a consultation with Akong Rinpoche, as public teachings were not his oeuvre. He preferred to offer consultations as and when requested. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to consult with Akong Rinpoche. I'd never had a consultation with a Lama before, at least not designated as such. I had not thought of it as a consultation when I'd met Dujum Rinpoche. I'd simply asked for an audience and suddenly there I was sitting in front of him. Looking back, I cannot quite conceive why the word consultation caused me apprehension. I'd had them with doctors and Akong Rinpoche was a doctor of Tibetan medicine. Maybe it was the sense of formality I projected onto the meeting, having been told that I should prepare my questions in order not to waste Akong Rinpoche's time. I'd written down my questions, but the list had become ridiculous. There were too many questions to ask, so I decided to wait until I met Akong Rinpoche. Then I'd just ask the first things that occurred to me from the list. The list wasn't hard to remember because the questions had been in my mind for months. I knocked on the door indicated at the appointed time and a voice requested, come in. I entered. Akong Rinpoche motioned me to sit after waving away my attempt at prostration. I sat, slightly awkwardly, after having the expected formalities laid aside. He offered me a slight smile and sat gazing at me, obviously waiting for me to ask something. I'd expected to see him in the black tuba he'd worn for the Observer Sunday newspaper colour supplement photograph I'd seen. I could not ask why he was not wearing his elegant black tuba for two reasons. The first was that it would be discourteous. The second was that it was a stupid question. I decided to ask what he thought of my plan to become an art school lecturer and see my Lama in the winter recesses. He seemed a little distant and non-committal at first and replied that he couldn't really say, but that it sounded as if it would work. I told him that I was grateful for his opinion on the matter, as it was important to me that I was able to combine my career with serious practice of Vajrayana. Who is your Lama? Akong Rinpoche asked, with the very slightest edge of something in his voice. Kyabjai Dujum Rinpoche. Dujum Rinpoche, Akong Rinpoche repeated as if he was pondering the plausibility of my statement. I could understand why he might ponder because Western people would often say they were the student of a Lama merely on the basis that they'd taken an empowerment. This prompted me to follow up with, 
but I also studied for a short time with Nakpa Yeshe Dorje. Akong Rimshe shook his head slightly as if to say he didn't know the Lama. It was Nakpa Yeshe Dorje who suggested I, I should go to Nepal and meet Kyabje Dujam Rimshe and request empowerment. Akong Rimshe nodded and looked as if what I was saying was starting to make a little more sense. Nakpa Dorje, where living? Nakpa Yeshe Dorje is a Nyingma Lama who lives in MacLeod Ganj. He's sometimes known as Kamtrul Yeshe Dorje and also as the weathermaker of the Dalai Lama. Oh yeah, this one I am knowing. Yeshe Dorje, yes. Never meeting, but knowing. And he is sending for study with Dujum Rimshe. Yes, because I'd been practising Tromanakmo with him, alongside Dujum Tersa Nundro, and he said I should receive instruction directly from Kyabje Dujum Rimshe. Oh yeah, Dujum Rimshe meeting. Much respecting, much respecting. Akong Rimshe gave me a broad smile. He same like His Holiness 16th Gyalwa Kamapa. It is good, it is very good, that Dujam Rimshe is your root lama. <laughs> Suddenly, everything seemed to slot into place for Akong Rimshe, and his view of me took a much brighter turn. I had become a comprehensible person, rather than a wandering weirdo out to waste his time. Akong Rimshe then asked how much time I'd spent with Kyabje Dujam Rimshe and I explained that for four weeks I saw him almost every day, for an hour or sometimes more. At this point, Akong Rimshe changed in his demeanour quite radically, and the consultation became relaxed and cordial. The initial sense of suspicion, albeit slight, evaporated, and we conversed as if we had known each other for however long it takes to feel relaxed. Then Akong Rimshe grinned at me and made a complete non-secateur. You not previous life asking? I could not work out whether he had asked me a question or simply made a statement. No, Rimshe, I answered, understanding him to have stated that I had not asked him about my previous life. Akong Rimshe smiled very slightly. Oh yeah, all Western peoples, Tibetan past life wanting, so always asking. But you, you not asking? No, Rinpoche. My second, no, Rinpoche, felt a little stilted and I fumbled round mentally trying to find something more intelligent to say, or something that didn't sound as if I didn't want to have a proper conversation. Akong Rimshe smiled again, but a little more visibly. Maybe past life already knowing? This was a step too far. Answering yes, Rinpoche, would have sounded evasive and silly. So I replied, Kyabje Dujam Rinpoche told me that he knew my previous incarnation. As soon as I'd said it, I realised I should have said, 
previous life rather than previous incarnation. I hated the idea of giving myself airs by using that word. But he told me that I should not speak about it to anyone until a minimum of 12 years had passed. Although, I continued, suddenly flustered, I can obviously tell you anything. I don't think Dujan Rinpoche meant I could not tell a lama such as yourself. Akong Rinpoche smiled broadly and told me that he would not ask me to break my vows with Dujan Rinpoche. I told him all he needed to know. He required no further details. It was enough for me to know whatever Dujan Rinpoche had told me and enough for him as well. This was a huge relief to me because Dujan Rinpoche had advised that I need not mention it to Nakpa Yeshe Dorje. He'd said that such matters were best kept secret until the right time. If such matters were revealed prematurely, it could cause obstacles and impede progress with the Vajrayana activities that I needed to fulfil. Akong Rinpoche returned to the subject of my career plan and told me that it was important for me to address such a question. He told me that he had worked as a hospital orderly in Radcliffe Infirmary to support himself at Oxford University and that this had obviously been easier than hodding bricks on a building site. He said that it must have been hard for me to engage in such manual work and practice in the evenings. I assured him that it had been no problem for me, as I had been living at home with my parents and so all I had to do was work, eat and sleep. The rest of the time had been at my disposal for practice. It had also been during the summer months and so there was no particular hardship. Akong Rinpoche then said, Earning money necessary for living and practice into everyday life incorporating. This important, balance needing. High pay work, too much time demanding. Low pay work, less time demanding, but then not yearly Nepal visits making or time in presence of Dujan Rinpoche. Art lecturer, very good idea, then good money and time also having. He pointed out that I'd need to find time for solitary retreats. I told him that I'd be able to use the long summer holiday period for those. I wondered if retreats would be possible at Sami Ling, and Akong Rinpoche was pleased to tell me that he would welcome it. So, when Dujam Rinpoche next seeing? More instructions receiving? After I finish art school, I will stay a year or so in India and Nepal, or as long as I can on the money I earn. I'd like to engage in study and retreat, and in the meantime, I have the practices he gave me. These practices every day doing? Every day, Rinpoche. Good. What practices already completing? the shorter and the longer Dujum Ter Nundros, and now I am practising Kandro Tugtig Nundro. Once I've completed that, I'll begin Troma Nundro. That is what 
Kyabje Dujan Rinpoche set down for me to complete before we meet again in 1975. Then much success in practice, I am wishing. This very much work and all at art school completing? I hope so. It's not so difficult because there are fairly long holidays and although I work quite hard at the illustration degree, there's still time every day for practice. I don't have any social life really, not that takes me away from where I live. I don't like pubs because of the cigarette smoke and so, apart from conversation with the three young ladies with whom I share the house, the evenings are more or less free for at least an hour's practice. At this, Akon Rinpoche laughed. Oh, yeah. Kordu Kandro Mangpurko. Which I recognised as a line from the seven line song of Padmasambhava and continued. Kyeki Jesu Dagdruki. Jingilovche Shesu Sol Guru Pema Sidi Hung. Akon Rinpoche smiled. Ha! This well-knowing. But Kandro's practice not disturbing? Not too much Kandro's always thinking? Well, I have a lady friend and she is a friend of the three young ladies and that is how I came to be living with them. My lady friend lives at home with her father. Then no problem. I think maybe Dujam Rinpoche robes giving? Yes, Rinpoche. Dujam Rinpoche specified these robes, just as you see them, and I had them made according to his instructions in Bodhamath. He then gave me Nakpa ordination. Then it is good, this is good, and all well for you. Maybe good you also Gyalwa Kamapa seeing. He next year coming, London first staying, then teachings and empowerments giving. You must transmission of Vajra crown receiving. This also very important for you. I asked Akon Rinpoche if he would be so kind as to tell me something about his life, as I felt it was important to know about the Lamas I met. I explained that Kyabje Dujam Rinpoche had told me about his life, and I had found that to be a great inspiration. I was born in Darak, this village in Riwoche, Kham. You know where Kham? Eastern Tibet, Rimshe. Yeah, much natural beauty there. Anyway, at age two, they discover as incarnation of previous Akong, Trigen of Lotsawagang Drolmalakang in Pasho in Chamdo, by monks following instructions of 16th Karmapa. First Akong was Karma Mikyo, Tulku of Nakpa, founder of Drolma Lakang. Akong Rimshe chuckled at that point and said, First Nakpa like you, then one monk, then me. At four, he was taken to Dolmalakang to receive an education that included traditional Tibetan medicine. As a teenager, he travelled performing religious ceremonies and treating the sick. Later, he went to the Shechen, where he received transmission of the Kagyu lineage from Sheshen Kongtru, 
one of two incarnations of the first Jamgon Kongtru. He also received instruction from the 16th Karmapa. In 1959, he fled to India at age 20. Of the 300 in his party, only 13 arrived in India. They were so hungry after running out of food on the journey that they had to boil leather shoes and bags to make soup. After some time in Tibetan refugee camps, he was asked to teach at the Young Lama's home school in Dalhousie, Himachal Pradesh, India. In 1963, a sponsor funded Akong Rinpoche and Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche to travel to Britain, where he went to Oxford University to learn English. Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche had a bursary, but he did not, so Akong Rinpoche would worked to support himself, as he had explained previously. Lama Chime Yonten Rinpoche joined us at Oxford University. You should meet him one day. You would like him. He will establish Come House in South England, and that is closer for you for retreat. It will be... Akon Rinpoche stood up and went over to his desk where there were some papers. After a moment or two, he articulated with only the slightest difficulty, It is village Ashton, near Saffron Walden on border of Essex and Cambridgeshire, and then added, Is near your home where parents living? It is not near exactly, Rinpoche, but it is much nearer than Scotland. My parents live in Farnham in Surrey, and Surrey is one of the home counties, as is Essex. Akong Rinpoche looked quizzical on the mention of the home counties, and so I explained, they're the counties contiguous with London. Akong Rinpoche shook his head at the word contiguous, so I explained, they're the counties that have a border in common with London, Surrey, Essex, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Hertfordshire, Kent and Sussex. Sometimes Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Hampshire and Oxfordshire are included because they are also quite close to London. Travel is easy between these counties so it is much easier to hitchhike around them than it is to get to Eskdale-Muir. However, Rinpoche, I should tell you I have already met Lama Chime Yonten Rinpoche at the Buddhist Society before I went out to the Himalayas. Akong Rinpoche beamed at me. You are liking? I almost replied, Oh yeah, very much liking. Because I tended to find Tibetan syntax slightly infectious. Yes, Rinpoche, he was very kind to me. He was the first Tibetan Lama I ever met. I asked him if he would be my teacher, but he told me that I should go to India and Nepal first. He said that it was too early for me to make such a choice. He said I should meet other Lamas first and that if I met no one to whom I could relate as a Lama, by the time I came home again, he would accept me as his student. We talked for a little while about my discussions with Lama Jimei Rinpoche and Akong Rinpoche seemed happy with what I told him. 
He told me that there was always a good relationship between the Nyingma and Kagyud schools and that it was advantageous for both Nyingma and Kagyud to take teachings from each other. He spoke about some of the important historical meetings between important lamas of both schools and how they had exchanged lineages. He emphasised that there had never been a sectarian dispute between the Nyingma and Kagyu. That was to be the one time I spoke with Akong Rinpoche on that visit, but he arranged for me to spend time with Sherab Palden Beru, the artist and tanker painter at Sami Ling. Sherab Palden Beru gave me instructions in drawing the elements and I spent hours copying the shapes of clouds and water. There were similarities between the cloud and water shapes, but also highly specific and subtle differences. There were different angles to be formed in the wave shapes, angles that were almost 90 degrees but came to a minute sharpening. The shapes had to be produced in two swift, strong strokes in order to work perfectly, and it took me some days before I could produce them to Sherab Paldenberu's satisfaction. Sherab Paldenberu was born in 1911. This was the year that Aro Yeshe was born, and that was a strange thought. I would be meeting a man born in the same year my predecessor was born. That idea created a strange conceptual ripple in my sense of time. This was how old I would have been had Aroyeshe not died in an avalanche and Nakpa Churgyam would not have existed. Savage Cabbage would not have existed. Maybe many aspects of life would have changed for people I knew and people I'd never met. Nakpa Churgyam was the result of an avalanche who seemed to be beset with emotional avalanches almost annually. Sherab Paldenberu was born to a nomad family in eastern Kham and entered Namgyal Ling Gompa at the age of nine. His aptitude for drawing was quickly recognised and his formal art training in the Karma Gadri style began when he was 13. Sherab Paldenberu said, Karma Gadri origin is Namkatashi from Upper Yalung. Eighth Karmapa Mikyodoje prophecy making, Namkatashi his emanation and influence extending. Namkatashi with Kunchog Pende, emanation of Gyalmo Konjo studying. From Kunchog Pende, Shali proportions learning. Namkatashi also from fifth Sharmapa Kunchog Yalug and fourth Gyaltsap Rinpoche Drakpa Dundrup instructions receiving. They are distinctive style arising from many examples. Chinese scroll painting offered to fifth Karmapa Dejin Shegpa by Chinese Emperor Yonglo and Da Shelma masks. Da Shelma face in moon meaning this drawn by many artists who see miracle of third Karmapa Rangjung Doje showing face in the full moon to Chinese emperor. Then Chinese scroll painting called Yewa Rawama 
showing Kiechok. Sherab Paldembero paused for a moment, gazing into space, and then continued, Kamapa Dejin Jegpa saying this style must three countries together blending. Forms must be India according. Colour and shading must be China conforming. Composition must be Tibetan conforming. So Tanka tradition Namkatashi establishing is Kama Gadri, encampment style of Kagyu. Ga means encampment because early Karmapa's custom having and importantly 7th Karmaka, Karmapa Chudrak Gyamso of retinues many hundreds people travelling different places with provisions and baggage on yak. At different places encampments of large felt tents making. Very famous and huge encampment adorning world as name calling. So custom and traditions from this camp culture calling and painting known as encampment style or gadri. Listening to Sherab Paldenbero speak of the encampments was strange. It was strange because it felt as if I'd been immersed in a widescreen film at a cinema where the scene had unfolded with enormous richness of colour and sound. I'd seen the film Genghis Khan and remembered being spellbound by it. The sense of being there had been visceral, and that same sense arose as Sherab Paldemberu spoke. I'd asked questions about these tent encampments, and he told me that some lamas lived in encampments for months or years, and some lived in permanent encampments. I had no clear idea why I found this encampment style to be ideal. The major romantic association in the West was with the large gompas, like the Patala. But whilst I found these buildings beautiful, they were not as viscerally intuitive. There was a sense that I should live in an encampment or that I'd lived in an encampment. The intensity of this sensation didn't arouse any fantasies or even trains of thought. The sensation was entirely sufficient in itself. It didn't fade with time exactly, it simply merged with my experience of being alive. I rarely thought about it afterwards, but only in the same way in which I rarely thought about having been born in 1952. It was simply there as something that I knew, only I did not know exactly what it was that I knew. It was like having once seen the film Genghis Khan, the atmosphere returns whenever I think of the film. Sherab Paldemberu continued to relate his life story. At Namgyal Ling, Sherab Paldemberu attained a high level of skill not simply in tanka painting, but also Vajrayana music and gacham. In 1956, after over 30 years of living at Namgyal Ling, he left for Lhasa, where he stayed for three years until his escape to India. 
Once in India, he commenced to paint tankers in Dalhousie, where he was commissioned by Lokesh Chandra to produce a series of drawings of Kilkor for publication. He was then instructed by the 16th Gyalwa Karmapa Rangjung Rigpai Dorje to go to Sami Ling. His greatest work can be seen at Sami Ling. There he designed and painted the shrine room and several cycles of tankas depicting the Kagyu lineage holders, the Mahasiddhas and the Kagyu cycles of awareness beings. The paintings in the temple at Samiling are large and exquisite in their detail. These paintings took as long as three years to complete. He also helped retrieve, restore and preserve tankers from Tibet. <laughs>